Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. In the heart of Birmingham, one team to bring you your week in geek. It's the Geeky Brummy Show every Saturday, 12 till 1 on Brum Radio. Hi, I'm Mike Carey, a former writer on X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Lucifer, The Unwritten, and Hellblazer. And you're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. Hello, it's me, Geeky Brummy, Ryan Parrish, and here today with producers Guy. Hi, Hi Dan. Sean. Hello, good afternoon. And Dave, who's hiding at the back of the studio. Right, so today we've got a really special interview with uh, Mike Carey on behalf of Blake from Screen Boom and the Boom Radio Book Show. Uh, We'll also be talking trailers with Hand of the King Keith. Uh, chatting TV with Paul Hadsley and showing you what, telling you what's going on in the world of geek this week. Uh, now, those regular listeners to Brum Radio will have heard of our Screen Brum and Brum Radio book shows hosted by Blake Woodham. Blake managed to grab a few minutes with author Mike Carey whilst he was in town to sign copies for his latest book, Fellside. Fellside has been described as a thriller set in a maximum security prison on the edge of the Yorkshire Moors, a place where even the walls whisper. So Mike, Blake actually managed to get a couple of minutes just with Mike on behalf of Geeky Brummy. He was in town signing his new novel. He's also very well known for Hellblazer Comics, Lucifer, and has in The Incredible Unwritten, as well as writing for Fantastic Four and X-Men. Here's Blake's interview. How did you feel about taking over X-Men Legacy with such a rich history of characters? And why did you focus on Rogue? It was, um, it was a dream come true for me. I, I learned to read by reading comic books. I, I read comics before I ever read uh, prose. And after a spell when I was mainly interested in British comic books, uh, the Beano, the Dandy, Wham, Pow and Smash, I discovered American comic books when my older brother gave me a Fantastic Four annual. It was a Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Four story. It was the one in which Reed Richards is trapped in the negative zone and they send Triton of the Inhumans in to rescue him. Um, So that probably dates it pretty precisely. Um, And after the Fantastic Four, I discovered the X-Men. I always loved the team books, the books about superhero teams. So I grew up kind of mainlining these stories and then as, as an adult to be approached and asked to add new chapters to those stories. It felt like I was building rooms in a house that I used to live in. You know, it was, uh, it was, it, they'd, they'd meant so much to me. The characters had meant so much to me. And it was thrilling to be working in that universe, in that continuity. I wrote, um, the first arc that I wrote for X-Men was called Supernovas. And it had a group of villains called the Children of the Vault. They were post-human, but they were not mutants. It was a different, a different sort of evolutionary branch. And by the end of the week, after the first issue came out, there was a Wikipedia entry for the Children of the Vault. I'd added something to the X-Men's continuity and it was being taken seriously. It was canon. Um, I gave Blindfold a civilian identity. No one had ever given her a name. I gave her the name Ruth Aldine and sure enough, there it was on the wiki. She's Ruth Aldine. That, that gave me a, a, a colossal thrill um, that, 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 that's really hard to describe. I mean, yes, it was terrifying in a way, but I'd already been through, uh, at this point, I'd written Lucifer. So I, I'd been you know, writing characters who'd previously only been, been written by Neil Gaiman. So I was kind of, um, I was hubristic enough to think I could handle this. And I had uh, a sweet deal in that Ed Brubaker came on board Uncanny X-Men at the same time. And he'd chosen his team, which was all of the A-listers. It was Cyclops, Emma Frost, Wolverine, uh, Colossus, 
um, you know, the, the usual suspects. And I was told, you can have anybody else, anyone else that, that, that you want to put together into a team. And I chose Rogue as my team leader, and I chose a, a group of absolute uh, misfits and malcontents to work with. Uh, um, I had Lady Mastermind, I had Mystique, I had Sabretooth. It was a team with more villains than heroes. Um, why did I choose Rogue as the leader? She was just a character I'd always loved. I loved that um, she was the first of the X-Men villains to join the X-Men team, to make that, that journey from the dark side uh, onto the side of the angels. And she was always the best for my money. She was the most interesting. Obviously, it was a trope that they repeated later with, with characters like Emma Frost um, and uh, lots and lots of people. Um, but I liked that Rogue had that streak of recklessness and irresponsibility and passion in her, and yet the passion always reigned in by the fact that she can't um, freely use her powers. That if she does, um, she hurts and even kills people. So the, the, the passion is sort of in, in a constant dialogue with, um, with something else, with, 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 a, with a sort of ruefully earned self-control. Um, another question um, that Ryan had was, how did you feel about <coughs> the Secret Invasion Marvel storyline? Um, what was your view in using the Shatori in Avengers Assemble? I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, it was one of many, many crossover events that happened while I was uh, writing Adjectiveless X-Men and then X-Men Legacy. And I had varying uh, experience of the crossovers. Some of the crossovers were a pain in the butt because they kind of dropped on you from the sky and you suddenly had to accommodate them. And others were more fun. And I think Secret, Secret Invasion was one of the ones that was actually enjoyable to incorporate because it was quite a flexible vehicle. You, ha you suddenly have um, a global invasion which is being repelled in the flagship titles, but you could dramatize any moment in that process uh, in, in the book that you were writing. And I chose to have the X-Men, who at that time were living in San Francisco, uh, fighting uh, a sort of desperate rearguard action because they've got... Um, They've spread the students around the city and they're having to rescue them all. They're having to defend the civilian population. And they sort of treat it as a military operation. And therefore, they make some decisions that they would never make when they were dealing with, uh, with, with solo supervillains. They become an army fighting another army. And they use every weapon in their, um, in their armory to do that. So actually, I actually found it was a lot of fun. The other one that I really enjoyed working on was, um, and I'm blanking on the name, but the one where all of the dead in the X-Men continuity start to return to life, Necrotia. I thought it was fun to, uh, to play with, uh, with, the, with the character of Destiny and have her return. So you, you, they, they could be opportunities. Crossovers could be wonderful opportunities for storytelling, or they could be complete spanners in the works. <laughs> And that was Mike Carey, interviewed by Blake Wooden from Screen Brum and the Brum Radio Book Show. And uh, thank you very much for getting us for us, Blake. Um, just to let you know, we are having a very special episode next week, which is going to be Geek of Thrones, we're naming it. You might have seen trending on Twitter the last few days is uh, there's been a new Super Sport launched online. Uh, you've seen it as well, Guy, haven't you? Yeah, Marble Racer, and I like it. Yeah, so basically uh, somebody's built a track in his back garden and races marbles and basically just keep an eye out and see which one wins. It seems to be a really big trending thing at the minute on Twitter, so we might be having a little go on that in the studio in a short time. Uh, before that, what we're going to do is have a quick chat with Keith. Unfortunately, he can't be here today, uh, but I managed to grab a few minutes with him earlier this week, and we talked through some of the upcoming trailers. 
and this so we'll be talking about the Rogue One trailer, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and of course Doctor Strange. How good does that look? Yeah, I mean, such some great films coming over, over the next few months. I mean, this doesn't even include X-Men Apocalypse, which is coming up, all the other great films that are coming out of the Marvel stable as well. So this is Keith and me, and we were talking trailers, so please enjoy. So, um, thoughts on Rogue One trailer? It was good. It was, it was good. It was very, very Star Wars. It was. It felt much more like 1977 Star Wars era rather than Force Awakens, which had a bit of a blend. I'd say of prequels and sequels. Yeah. So there's a lot more practical effects, a lot more live action. What I really liked was the um, segment just before they do a kind of Death Star reveal and they have the um, Star Destroyers in space. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the way that looked, it looked like a model. Yeah. It was like, if it was done in CGI, it looked fantastic because it, yeah. like, it looked like a model and it looks mm -hmm. fantastic. But what's really pleased me again is that we've got another female lead. Yes. Who's carrying that. Felicity Jones from yeah. Birmingham. So another great big Birmingham actor success. And it's, and it's lovely. And, and the fact that we've seen Forrest Whitaker... Uh, Donnie Yen, Yen. yes, yeah. of course. Uh, Riz Ahmed's turning up in there as well. Yeah. So you may remember from Four Lions. And there's some really strong supporting cast in this one. Mm. I mean, Forrest Whitaker does take the lion chair of the trailer with the talking, I think. Yeah. What I quite like was that not long afterwards there was a lot of... Uh, GIFs and little videos from uh, Ghost Dog. Yes. <laughs> training montage that he had. But now Forrest Whitaker's got a lightsaber. Yeah. But I think what I've heard is that Rogue One's not going to feature much in the way of kind of Jedi's. It's going to be no. that very much kind of military-led yeah. looking thing. And, and the fact that... Yeah. Um, it's nice to see Mon Mothra back in it as well. Yeah. Leading the Rebellion. Well, that recreation of yes. that scene, literally, yeah. it was like almost ripped from the, the original, original Star Wars. Yeah. So it's... It was exciting. The music was really good again. Yeah. Um, the way they just they've taken John Williams' original music and they've reinterpreted it. it gives you chills just hearing those tunes yeah. and the way they merge the kind of force theme and the, and yeah. the uh, Imperial March theme. Yeah. And you think this is great stuff. So I want to know how much of the expanded universe are going to carry into this one because in the original stories you had the both and style spy stealing part of the Death Star plans, and I don't know if you ever played the Dark Forces games. You had Carl Katarn and mm. Mara Jade stole part of the Darth Forces ones, yeah. and there was supposedly the third group which picked up the other part of the Death Star plans to get them all together. So I'm assuming. Ooh, is this the third group that we never heard of in the expanded universe? Yeah. So. Where, where Disney are going to go with that expanded universe stuff? Now they've kind of annexed it off into the Legends yeah. thing. You know, anything we see now is canon. So, yeah. you know, it could be that we start to see some of these characters yes. reappear. It would be very interesting to see that turn up at some point. It'd be good. It would yeah. make a lot of people very happy yes. to see some of these characters. Still have a little bit of a kind of... Uh, yearning for it to go back to Star Wars anthology. I would really like to go back to the anthology idea. Yeah. Um, but as they've said in the films, a little bit of legends are always true. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's looking good. I think, yeah. um, you know, it's a few minutes yep. and already it, it's like, yeah, yeah, December cannot come soon enough. No. And it's going to be great to get back into the Star Wars mode after Force Awakens, of course. Yeah. But it just made me think, right, I can't wait now until the Blu ray of Force Awakens comes out next week. Yeah. It's like, I'm rewatching that, and then kind of like you know yeah, go, go back into the next in, fifty yeah. times of watching a Rogue One trailer. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and Gareth Edwards as well. So yeah. you know, he's a director that I've been interested in since he did uh, Monsters. Yes, and he's done it very, very close to how the feel is. I think he's got the look and feel spot on with yeah. this one. I presume JJ's probably had quite a bit of input in the background, yeah. but 
it's, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan again. Yes. So, moving on. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And I admit now, I haven't seen the first one. I'm more of a fan of the original 90s live-action films with the rubberized turtles. Yeah. Not being a big fan of these uh, Michael Bay produced yeah. versions so far. They're okay. Yeah. But it's a little bit kind of... Um, the Transformers thing it's a little bit too CGI looking there was, there was yeah. something about the charm of those Steve Barron um, first um, Teenage Ninja Turtles yeah. so just the physicality of having an actual turtle in that space instead of acting towards a green screen yeah. I mean they're typical Michael Bay films lots of explosions lots of special effects mm. probably going to be quite thin on the plot you've got Bebop and Rocksteady returning which always is a a plus in my eyes because they were two of the fan favourites from the cartoon series and you got the reveal of Krang at the end of it yeah I mean that's one of the things that's interesting me a lot about this one is that they're going a little bit more with the comic book yeah. um, stories which which the the original live action series didn't really do didn't really touch no. too much I mean you had Casey Jones yeah. uh, in there as well which we've got now with Stephen Amell yeah which Casey. brilliant pick I think so that looks quite you know that looks quite interesting Ooze thing and the whole idea of the turtles wanting to be humans and that's yeah. slightly there's a, a, a shot in the, the, the trailer where um, he changes his hand his yes. kind of turtle hand into a human hand with fingers yeah. and, you know will that work will it work I don't know it could be alright no. it's always good to see Shredder pop up as well but I think mm. he's taking a back seat from the look of it yeah I think it's going to be a different story yeah. this time around but and you've got the Foot Clan of course yeah. floating around but as, as trailers go it was okay. I didn't walk away from it thinking I must see this film. No, it matched my expectations. That's the word. Yeah. I wasn't expecting much. Didn't really get much. So yeah, I think we've been spoiled really in terms of turtles. Um, the CGI animated film that was out a few years ago. TMNT. Yeah, that, just, I really yes. really enjoyed that. And the Nickelodeon series they've been doing over the past few years, yeah. uh, which has been touching on similar ground with yeah. Kang and, and the, the, the mutates and all the rest of it yeah. that's, been, that's been really really good and, and right. done a lot of interesting things but if you even think back to the original comic book it wasn't designed for kids no. it, it was quite an actual hardcore adult comic book originally Yeah, and everybody remembers the kids TV series of course yeah. from the 80s that's where Turtles got really big yeah. turned it into a kids TV show and I'd like to see a bit more adult, but I'm not expecting it from Michael Bay. No. I think TMNT did touch on it quite a bit more, the adult themes, with that animated version, which I really liked. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I mean, he can't ruin it as much as he ruined Transformers. So. No, it might, be, it might be one that, you know, if I've got a spare afternoon, I'll check out at the cinema. But it yeah. might be another one, a case again, where it's like, catch it on Wait, wait for the or, VOD or online yeah, stream or, or it is, yeah. wherever it turns up. Yeah. Um, so, Fantastical Beasts and where to find them. What do you think of that one? Eddie uh, Redmayne at the forefront. I liked the whole period. Yes. Uh, stylings of it, which is really quite nice. Yeah. Which would really work in terms of the, the whole idea of magic uh, yeah. period Early history, where century, yeah. kind of magic was still kind of like um, mysticism yeah. and all that kind of stuff was still pretty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people believed in fairies at the bottom of the garden, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and it's, it looks really, really nice. I mean, it's very well edited trailer because it gives nothing away of the plot, mm-hmm. really, nothing away of the content, and nothing, <laughs> nothing about what's actually going to happen. But, no. but it's 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 good visually. So, do you think young Dumbledore, young professors? Yeah, I think he'll pop up in this at some point. I'd prefer it if he didn't. He's referenced in the trailer. Yeah, right? it's mentioned. Yeah. I'd prefer it if he didn't appear. 
yeah. and was just a figure that you know maybe perhaps mm-hmm. in a in a photograph or yeah. uh, something else. But I'd prefer it if they kind of steered away from any of the characters that we we've yes. already got established and and, and uh, yeah, use it's, it's new like, characters. It's, I mean, it's a big enough universe to play with the Harry Potter universe. I mean, we only got a glimpse into it yeah. with the Harry Potter books, really, because. J.K. Rowling built a massive world of which we got to see about 1% at best. But again, another one, another trailer where yeah. that, the music of John Williams yeah. is used to great effect and just gets people back into the mood. You've got that yeah. kind of you know very th- the, the thematic just, sense of it. this is the it, world. Yeah, you of get Harry a twisted Potter. version of the Harry yeah. Potter theme underlying the trailer. So. Yeah. And it looks as if Redmayne is up for it. I think you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a role that's going to give him a little bit more freedom to... Yeah. To kind of uh, I mean, his output, in my opinion, so far has been inconsistent. Mm. He's been having some fantastical pieces of work, yeah. and then there's Jupiter Ascending, which yeah, <laughs> for, for his previous genre yeah. role was kind of a little bit uh, yeah. not his best. But he lo- he looks the part. He looks pretty yeah. good. You know, the whole sequence with the suitcase and yeah. you know, muggle friendly. You know, you see little things trying Pre- to escape trying to yeah. so it's kind of a, I'm thinking you know, this yeah. is pretty good it's another it's you know I mean the trailer ends with him walking into the suitcase and yeah. beckoning for his roommate to follow him down so that, sh- that could be quite interesting yeah I'm assuming it's the same te- technology they had in the Quidditch World Cup and it's, yeah. it's the first trailer first full trailer I'm kind of thinking yeah I'm quite happy to go back to that unit yeah. so we'll finish off with Doctor Strange which came out very recently I mean, they, I think they covered off the backstory pretty well quickly yeah. in the trailer with the whole thing about him being a surgeon car accident hands her messed up yeah. goes on a voyage discovery and then finds fantastical powers and worlds yeah I think that's pretty much a quick way of describing what Doctor Strange is about yeah I mean he's a, he's a character that probably a lot of people haven't got much association with in, in a similar way to yes. where we were with Iron Man when the Marvel Universe first kicked off but I, there was really there was just lots of nice elements yes. in this trailer that kind of got you um, kind of jazzed for it in a similar way to where we were with kind of um, Guardians of the Galaxy a couple of yes. years ago you know, some nice visual motifs that were in yeah. there I mean, people reminded me, yeah as I said reminded me very much of Inception yeah. and Matrix a little bit about how they're building that world of yeah. something a little bit other than what you'd expect, actually reminded me quite a little bit of Interstellar. Yeah. And, and this is kind of the first really big step into the, um, the magic in the yes. Marvel universe. We've kind of, we've kind of touched on it a little bit in the previous. Yeah, you've touched films. on it with Saw and the Dark yeah. Elves, but they've never really brought magic to the forefront. Yeah. And, uh, Benedict looks the part. Mm-hmm. Really, he looks perfect as Stephen Strange in, in, a, in a similar way to how Robert Downey Jr. was the perfect for the ghost to turn up there. <laughs> Can't be Doctor Strange without a goatee. He'll get there. He'll get there. <laughs> but again, we, the trailer ends with yeah. a lovely shot of him going up the stairs into yes. what we're hoping is going to be the Sanctum Sanctorium and the, the, yeah. the, the, the iconic window from Doctor mm-hmm. Strange's house and the the cloak. Yes. And it's like, it's, you know, and the posters fully, have yeah. reveal a little bit more of that costume and the yeah. But that whole kind of like, you know, so, they've not been shy, but they've showed the astral version yes. of, of Doctor Strange and, and some of the nice little visual tricks that they were doing in there when he's washing his hands. Yeah. As a doctor, and the yeah. way he's moving his hands yes. is very much like what a conjurer would be doing. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, they're setting a lot of things in motion in that trailer. And I think you're a big fan of the ancient one, Tilda, yeah. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. It's like a brilliant bit of casting. Yeah. You know, completely not 
the representation that we're used to in the comic book. But yeah. in, in a few a few brief moments, she's in that trailer. You yes. Go, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm down. I'm down she's, with that one. She's, <laughs> she's going to be really good. Actually, I think my favourite Tilda Swinton role, and probably is Tilda Swinton, not Kate Blanchett. I always get confused between two. It was when the um, Keanu Reeves film uh, version of Constantine. Yeah. When she's the Archangel Gabriel. I thought that's kind of where I'm getting the feel from this yeah. a little bit. It's well, one of heavenly being. One of the things that I, I, I one of, Tilda Swinton role that I really love is a, is a quite a, a little bit older than that, where she was um, Orlando. Oh yes, and um, you know, again, she can just be any anybody, yeah. anyone she wants. Yeah, it's 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 a great a great role for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they they seem to be filling that cast with some really good actors yes um, and you know I've got a lot of confidence in, in Marvel and being able to tell a good story they've got um, mm-hmm. a good director and I think they they get their stories right to me this is the first time it's actually felt like a proper film rather than an overblown TV episode with yeah. a 200 million pound budget and that that's kind of where the Marvel films have felt with me so far it's all because they're all interconnected it feels like here's a long TV episode and then they all chain together yeah. whereas this being quite standalone I'm sure there'll be some references back to the rest of the Marvel universe mm-hmm. in it but this feels like a proper standalone this is Doctor Strange's movie yeah. and it's not about Nick Fury turning up halfway through and saying oh look you're in the Avengers now yeah and I'm just I'm curious as well as to, to where they place it in terms of the timing because yes. we've had in previous films references to Stephen Strange his yeah. name's been mentioned and he's been, he'd been mentioned quite early on in terms of the series yeah. I think uh, I can't remember if it's in Avengers uh, or, or whatever where his name gets mentioned yeah. in, in, in a list of um, and I think again in Winter Soldier mm-hmm. um, when they're, they're kind of the helicarriers yes. are getting ready to target and they, you see his name on a screen or something yeah. somewhere. so time wise it's going to be interesting because obviously yeah. his oh. mystical journey yes. is the kind of it's I think this is our Batman Begins. I think it's going to be universe. set around possibly prior to the first Iron Man film. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to be a case of he'll be around and they'll know of him, but I don't think he's going to interact mm. pretty much until Infinity War. Yeah, because he's going to have he's going to have to be away mm-hmm. for a while to to develop his mystical skills. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, a lot of the kind of uh, you might have seen gifs and clips of. Benedict being in, in, inserted into other pieces. I yes. think there's, the, there's the um, airport run <laughs> in Captain America, uh, yeah. where we've met the people have added in a bouncing Doctor Strange in the background of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a good it's a good looking trailer. It's yeah. good, you know you're kind of thinking, yeah, well, this is looking good. It looks yeah. like you're doing justice to the character. I, mean, I think they've got a lot more chance to be a lot more open with it as well with the whole thing about how we can shift between universes and worlds so yeah. there's a lot more they can do with that than say Iron Man who's got to be on Earth of course and yeah. kind of, you've just about got spacesuit in Avengers 1 yeah. Yeah. and they're still pretty much Earthbound they've not they've had Guardians of the Galaxy but that's not interacted at all mm. at the minute so we're showing a pit of the wider universe yeah. and you've got Thor but Thor just goes between Asgard Earth Asgard Earth yeah <laughs> I think it's again. It's like, um, where we had with Ant Man and mm-hmm. the kind of the, the microverse. Yeah, we're getting to that point now with the Marvel universe where there is layers within layers. Yeah, got lots of different things going on in that. Mm-hmm. So we, we, they can go anywhere for, for these stories yeah. now. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of I think it's November. Yeah. it's released. 
Um, so that Christmas period is looking pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm immensely looking forward to that. I mean, Doctor Strange one of my personal favourite Marvel characters who doesn't really get the limelight to the stage that everybody else does. No, well, I think part of that comes from the original creators. Um, like yeah. When you've got uh, an artist of the likes of Steve Ditko mm-hmm. drawing Doctor Strange Adventures and that whole yeah. cosmic thing that, that Marvel has done so well. Yeah. Uh, you just think, yeah, I'm, I'm in for this. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's looking pretty good. You know? Yeah. And even the posters and the way they're representing the Doctor. Like, yeah, it, yeah, looks it is spot on to the old artwork and it's, yeah. it's very... They've got the, again, they've got the feel yeah. Perfectly packed now, as Marvel are known to do with the characters. Yeah, so it's looking pretty good. So it's been a good couple of weeks for trailers for yep. films coming up. So yeah, yeah. So wait, can't wait for blockbuster season. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to it. <laughs> Christmas can't come soon enough. Yeah. So thanks very much, here and we'll catch you soon. Okay. Well, lovely. See you later. Thank you. I'm Batman, and I listen to the Geeky Brummy Show every Saturday at noon on Brum Radio. And that was Keith there, of course, uh, chatting about trailers. Uh, some great stuff coming up in the cinema soon. Right, so next we're going to have a little bit of TV chat with our regular TV correspondent, Paul Hadsley. And we've also recorded a few Marvel videos, which you can find on our Instagram and Twitter, which is both at Geeky Brummy, G-W-E-K-Y-B-R-M-U-I-E. Right, so now we're going to go into a bit of TV chat with Paul. Uh, we've got some spoiler alerts coming up on that one, so uh, keep your eye out for those. Uh, but have a listen. Hello, Ryan, and thank you for allowing me on your show. Uh, I am talking to you from your exact same seat, but uh, almost 24 hours in the past, so it's a time travel paradox worthy of the Flash himself. Yes, this is Paul Hadsley's cult TV section, and I'm here to talk uh, every cult TV show that's happening in the week. Um, I'm going to focus on two shows of the week now in depth and just quickly uh, give lip service to the others. Uh, so that will start with Supergirl, which was I'm a week behind uh, to those who watch it live. I know we're in the era of on demand, so uh, there will be spoilers, of course, I should say. But uh, when it comes to Supergirl, I'm a week behind. It's, and it's the same old tro- trope in Supergirl uh, that I'm a little bit tired of in science fiction TV shows. And I'm sure comics and films as well of the uh, the main human villains of the piece blaming the supervillain hero. Oh, dear. That was wrong. Blaming the superhero. Uh, for saving them from the supervillains. And they say the argument of without the superpowered hero, they would be no superpowered villains to fight or they wouldn't target wherever they are, whatever city they're in. So there's that. Um, yes, that was uh, an interesting episode, a good episode. I'm very interested to see the journey of the Martian Manhunter. Uh, and I'm not so interested in the whole Kara keeping a life from uh, Ali McBeal. Clister Flockhart's character um, you know it's great she thought she was Supergirl now she knows she isn't with the aid of the Martian Manhunter um, shape-shifting into Clara but anyway the point is that's not as exciting as all supervillain stuff and all the other Kryptonians around there and maybe even the Lex Luthor-like uh, human villain as I say blames Supergirl for saving them there's a slight uh, parallel in the Flash as well when the uh, head of the newspaper also blames the Flash and says oh he's a hero but he's not a hero and that's uh, a plot line that I'm not that interested in you know I, I do understand why it happens you know we should always suspect those with more power than us and those in authority I get the metaphor you know I just that's not why maybe I just want to go back to a simpler time when Superman just Superman in the past like when he first started to save people people respected him and hero worshipped him and blah 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 and he never gave them any reason to doubt him and they never doubted him and they didn't get suspicious but this whole superhero isn't as heroic you know we should doubt him and 
uh, not worship, blah, blah, blah. I know this plot, like this thread, this trope, whatever it is. I, I'm not that interested in it. I wish they'd stop with it. But apart from that, it's a good episode. Again, want to see more of the Martian Manhunter. That's kind of the big thing in Supergirl at the minute. And potentially what happens with crossovers or whatnot. But uh, Supergirl and the Martian Manhunter are really uh, knocking it out of the park. And the rest of them are doing the mess. So, uh, yeah, great stuff on Supergirl. But uh, quickly to move on then to the other series. They give lip service to the other ones. And then we'll get on to our featured two shows of the week, which will be The Flash and Gotham this week. So very quickly, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Again, okay episode they're kind of still finding their feet and finding what works with what character and what combinations work one of the best characters is ant-man of dc should i say the atom uh he's doing quite well but he doesn't get that much to do with it he was captain of the ship captain kirk i like who he's more like viker wasn't he or picard uh, this time more like Riker though he had hair he was uh, doing well this week and he led the ship despite there were some space pirates they had to fight so it was a bit more like Star Trek this week uh, but the big deal was uh, it ended on a cliffhanger with Snart and the repercussions of last week when he took him away from a uh, potential idyllic future to a villain where he could uh, live out his uh, villainistic fantasies and be the leader of a gang robbing people he took uh, Snart took him away from that the fire and uh, the sort of grenade they potentially had in in the uh, cast so far or the characters that they brought with them has finally gone off if you recruit bad people they're going to do bad things at some point and maybe Captain Cold is being seduced by the good side of the force but uh, it doesn't look like Captain Fire for want of a better word is the cliffhanger was um, Captain Cold shooting him with his ice gun ooh what's going to happen we'll find out next week who knows so Legends of the Tomorrow is getting, still getting still not my favourite but it's getting there and I'm still watching it so it'd have to get uh, a lot worse for me to stop watching it but a lot better for it to become my favourite pick of the week type thing um, and then S.H.I.E.L.D. yeah another uh, standard episode dealing with the repercussions of the two we lost last week but then also training up uh, Electric Boy to be part of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. another in- inhuman on the team that could be interesting uh, and he was uh, told to kill someone didn't quite kill him and he did the right thing and blah 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 a villain from the past returning and again people suspect suspecting the bad guys shield is probably the number one for this and that everyone assumes that the bad guys uh, the good guys are the bad guys because of hydra and uh, again it's a bit frustrating they're trying to do the best let them do the best oh never mind anyway yes yeah, so a good episode for shield and um that's uh every other series that i want to display lip service to so let's get on to the big two of the week I'm trying to think if i remember anymore i'll get to it but uh, yes the big two this week are gotham and the flash um, let's deal with Gotham first. A bit more of the downfall of the regular person, Victor Freeze or Fries. Let's say I'm not that good with names. <laughs> not as good as the the detective, but uh, yes, Victor Fries. The downfall of him and the rise of Mr. Freeze, uh, because he's now completed his journey into becoming Mr. Freeze. He's stuck at sub-zero temperatures after an accident. Uh, again, a great episode. Who thought they'd have Mr. Freeze as well with Pathos? Uh, or Pathos, depending on your pronunciation. You decide. I'll just do it both ways and you to pick the best one. Pathos slash Pathos. Uh, <laughs> tomato slash Tomato. So the best way of doing it. You edit out your way of whatever one you want to hear. But yeah, it was a great episode, actually. Um, lots of sinister behaviors from the leaders of arkham asylum what's going to happen there now they've got their hands on victor fries's uh, ice serum or serum for immortality or whatever it is could bring people back to life and that's going to be great work for the rest of the series even that feels like it's a bit of a, a tonal change since the start of the season when it's all about the mayor and the the mobs and the power struggles and all the various villains uh, we didn't even see the riddler this week but we did see the penguin um 
not really enjoying himself in Arkham Asylum and being experimented upon, where will that lead us to? Will that lead us to a more classic penguin by the time he come out, comes out? Not just limping, but maybe even squawking or whatever. That, wah, wah, wah. Maybe he'll like smoking as well. Who knows? But yes, he or is he going to be in charge of that whole place in the next episode? Because that's just how he works. But yeah, interesting to see the cliffhanger of potentially people coming back to life. Not only is Barbara still around, still in a coma. Oh, she's still there. Is she going to become someone yet? She's going to come back, girl. She's going to come cat one, whatever she's going to be. She better do it soon. She's lying around. And that was Paul Hadsley with his geeky TV chat. Um, we'll put the full version of that on the Mixcloud later on today, uh, just because with that action pack this week, we need to squeeze everything in. Uh, next week, as we mentioned, we're having a Game of Thrones special in readiness for the return of season six on 20th or 24th of April. We'll also be down at Birmingham Comic Festival to see if you see us there. Say hello. And we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Mike Carey, a former writer on X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Lucifer, The Unwritten, and Hellblazer. And you're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. This is your spoiler warning. This show contains spoilers for Game of Thrones seasons 1 to 5. If you don't want to listen to it, turn away now. If you do want to find out what happens in season 1 to 5, we have a recap during the show. Geek of Thrones Spectacular. I'm here with producers Sean, Guy and Dave. We're here to talk you through Game of Thrones in preparation for Season 6 going live on Monday at 2am. We'll be having Philip Ellison from the Tall Tale Show recapping Seasons 1-5 to to get you fully up to date. We're having a Game of Thrones Geek Off battle to find our hand of the king. A bit later on we'll be having a roundtable discussion about our thoughts on the upcoming season and we'll be announcing our competition winner. You've just heard the opening theme tune to Game of Thrones composed exclusively for the show by Tammy B. We are eternally grateful to her for putting this together in such a short time, and if you enjoyed that and fancy learning a little bit of guitar yourself, Tammy is available for guitar tuition. She can be contacted via Twitter at tguitartuition and via email tammyguitartuition at gmail.com. We'll put those links onto the Twitter later for you guys. We'll now be playing our first track, which is actually from the show, and it's the Lannisters theme. It's Reigns of Castamere by Sigur Ross. After that, we'll be trying to persuade producers Dave and Sean to watch Game of Thrones in our Dragon's Den. This is the Geeky Brummy Show on Brum Radio. 
Right then, this is uh, the Geeky Brummy producers, Dave and Sean. Hello. We are, uh, we've been told that we're going to have Game of Thrones pitched to us. Now, I've not actually seen anything of Game of Thrones apart from the opening credits, and I've heard about the books, and that's about it, really. Yeah, and I'm pretty much in the same boat. Uh, I've only seen a couple of little clips here and there, so it's up to these guys in a Dragon's Den style to sell us the show ahead of the new series starting next week. Starts on the 24th of April on 2am on Sky Atlantic. See, I even knew what channel it was. You can watch that at 2am there. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around the group, we're going to find out who's here, and they're going to tell us why they think we should be watching Game of Thrones. Hi, my name's Phil. Hi, Phil. My name's Sam. Hi, Sam. I'm Ryan. Hi, Ryan. I'm Guy. Hi, Guy. (laughs) And I'm also Phil. Fantastic. (laughs) Tell us about why we should be watching Game of Thrones on Sky Atlantic. If I had to pitch it using other examples, a sort of a mixture between... Sopranos, West Wing, maybe House of Cards, so it has like the visceral nature of the Sopranos underhand, and then the sort of political intrigue of like some other programs, and it's just very well written. And it's got skewed fantasy elements. It's fantasy rather than anything else, but it's not, I wouldn't say it was like high fantasy, I wouldn't say it was fantasy elements are just sort of coming back into that world, so you're sort of introduced as as you're coming into the world as well. Fantastic. Do you have a favourite character in Game of Thrones? Uh, Stannis, Stannis Baratheon. Tell me about Stannis. He's very loyal, dutiful. He's 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 the one true king of Westeros. <laughs> and I just heard someone say that it was child murdering as well. well. That I mean that does spoilers. Ha- that does spoilers. Happen. Is that a <laughs> s- massive spoiler? Is it? It would be a spoiler to tell you if it's. A it spoiler. would just spoil. Okay, <laughs> no, that's fine. Okay, cool. Is Stannis in lots of episodes or some episodes? Because I know they don't seem to I last. Would, I would them. say some. He's not, yeah. he is a major character, but he's not, he's not in the majority of it. No. And like Phil was saying, it's a, it's a good mixture of the sort of political intrigue kind of element and there's lots of interplay between the different characters that's quite compelling to watch in that. Uh, it's called Game of Thrones and obviously there's, there's sort of one main king at any one time, but the people with the real power are the ones behind the throne, sort of whispering in the king's ear kind of thing. So the king is a puppet, is that what we're saying? In a way, yeah. He gets played by the other... Is, it, yeah, is there just one kings. king in it? No, several there's, uh, kings. There, there's several kings, sometimes several kings at once, of different places. Of different lands? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a map, you see, so... Wow. Is the maps in the credits? Is that why I think that? Yeah, that's why. That's good. That's the map's in the credits, that's why I'm thinking I've seen the map. Um, so yeah, and uh, so that's really compelling to watch. And there's a couple of characters in particular um, who you never really know what their agenda really is, but it's quite fun watching them kind of battle against each other in council chambers and that sort of thing. But at the same time, there's actual battles happening as well, which are also very fun to watch. And yeah, there's the fantasy element, which does get stronger the further through the series it goes. There's dragons that get bigger and more threatening. And the big threat as well is a, an army of ice zombies threatening to march soundbreak through the walls. Now that sounds cool. I like the idea of ice zombies. That's that's pretty cool. They are very cool. Mr Geeky Brummy. The best way I could describe it is The War of the Roses meets high fantasy. Political intrigue, as we mentioned. It's written for adults rather than being a kiddified fantasy TV show. You all expect very strong adult themes. There will be 
lots of dismemberments, naked people, more dismemberments. This is because it's a HBO series. Yes, yes. The HBO series in America, so it is designed especially for adults. Yeah. There is some brilliant characters in there. You've got Tyrion Lannister, who is possibly one of the best TV characters and book characters ever written. Uh, he is a masterful manipulator in the background. You've got Littlefinger, you've got Ned Stark. You've got quite a lot of British actors in there, so it's always great to support British actors in a TV series. Quite a lot of it's filmed in Ireland. So again, supporting the British Isles here with it's lots it, of filming. It's in Northern Ireland, isn't it? Northern Ireland, yes. yes. It's the home of actual dragons. Home of actual dragons, yes. Right, yeah. And Luke Skywalker as well, but we'll come on to that later. Brilliant characters, we've yeah. got brilliant child actors in it. So you've got um, Joffrey Baratheon, you've got Arya Stark. I'm not going to tell you what they do or how no. it happens, but they are on me. To me, it is one of the greatest pieces of TV that's been made over the last five years. Bill, you're up. Right. Well, as we've heard from, from everybody else so far, the, the political allegories in there are fascinating. Two of the main families, the Starks and the Lannisters, are actually based on real dynasties from France in, I want to say, the Middle Ages. So there's all of the very complicated sort of political relationships and yeah. all, all of the and, and, and very, very tangled interpersonal storylines. Uh, a lot of that is based and, on, on real history. And much head, head chopping then as a result of Lots that. of head Shopping. Yes. yes. I, I think one of my favourite things about the show is if you don't like a certain plot thread, then don't worry, there'll be another one along in, in just right, a minute. Okay. It juggles yeah. so many different storylines that everyone has their favourites and it's set across this vast, vast world. So you have political intrigue in the capital, you have got the kind of liberating of certain tribes going on on the other side of the world, and then you go up north and you've got the, the creepy monsters hiding beyond the wall in, in the snow. And, and so you've, you've got there, there really is something for everyone yeah. and everyone has their favourite storyline and their favourite character. And I, I would agree with um, Ryan. My favourite, my favourite character is absolutely Tyrion, who I would love to have dinner with. <laughs> just threw me completely with my question. Just about to drop a question because there's so many different storylines all interwined. Does that make it a difficult watch or just more entertaining? I'd say you have to pay attention whilst watching it. So I'll, I'll I'm rubbish at that, Ryan. You should know. <laughs> it's not for a casual viewer at all. Right. So you've got to commit to it. Is what we're saying, right? But it is completely worth committing. I'll say, okay. it is some of the most uh, fifty hours of TV you'll ever watch. It might sound bizarre, but actually having a map with you when you first start watching it is quite useful. So you know all the locations and like how they relate to each other. Okay. So, so is that there's maps in the book? Because it sort of makes sense that like you, you can get lost of like where you are. You need to make peace with the fact, starting out from day one, that you're not going to remember every character's name. Oh, there are just no. too many. That's <laughs> going to really mess me up. That and you also need to make peace with your favourite character may not last. Well, <laughs> no, no, this, is, this is something I already yeah, know yeah. Going, going into watching this, is that he takes great pleasure, and I'm sure it's George R.R. R. Martin, Martin. Yes. Takes, takes great pleasure in killing off your favourite character. Ha, has that already happened to... Several times. Several yes. times, right, OK. The rule of thumb is if you actually start to root for them, they're not they're going to have a nice right, time okay. coming up to... It's like Joss Whedon times a million. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> that was see. Now that was bad enough. Yeah, because I just used to be gutted when my favourite characters in Buffy would be killed. It's like, oh, they're happy. Oh, oh, yeah, something, something's going to go wrong. Yeah, um, and it's it's, sim it's similar um, in in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the pleasure that he takes in killing. My uh, right. So our verdict. Then, Dave, I'm just going to wrap up this presentation with yeah. a question for you guys. Why aren't you watching it yet? You've asked us the questions. Now I'm asking you <laughs> this one. I've, I've got question. a very simple reason: is that I don't have Sky, <laughs> <laughs> and that's my simple reason. I, I I don't have Sky. I don't doesn't turn up on any of the channels that I watch, so I don't really have easy access to it. 
I'll lend you the box set. DVD player. Oh, okay. I I would watch it. I mean, this is the thing. Are you watching it week by week? See, I'm asking more questions now. Are you watching it week by week, or do you watch it in chunks? Do you watch, like, a whole season in one go? I I watch it week by week. You watch it week by week? Yeah, Yeah. when it's on, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I've watched it since day one, but people at work who I've prophesied to and promoted Game of Thrones... They've watched it in one go. ...and then it's the best way to do it to do that. No, that's fantastic. Right, so what we're going to do... Are we... uh, Are you going to be watching it when it comes on? Yeah, I'm going to give it a go. You're going to give it a go? I'm going to give it a go. We might have to report back as to what we we found when uh, when we watched some episodes. Well, if you don't have time to watch Unfortunately, all five seasons coming up. Phil is doing a special. It's going to give us a spoiler us. as to which of our favourite characters that we don't know yet dies. Yes, but <sighs> Phil will be doing a five-season recap, <sighs> so you can have a listen to that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a spo- you got that spoiler alert sound that we're going to play during that as well. Um, but Phil talking uh, about his uh, five-season recap in advance of the uh, season six coming onto Sky Atlantic. And I think we did a good job of convincing them there. Now we'll be handing over to Philip Ellis of our Tall Tale Show. He'll be recapping seasons one to three for us. In a land called Westeros, where a chair is the only thing on most minds, we start our 50-hour-long story with three red shirts, also known as Men of the Night's Watch, two of whom do not make it past the first five minutes. Their compatriot, the third, runs like Barry Allen into the distance. We then meet the Stark children, Rob, Sansa, Bran, Arya and Rickon, their half-brother John, You know nothing. And their captive, Theon. Their carefree days are spent indulging in archery practice and finding puppy direwolves. Ned Stark, The winter is coming. Men find red shirt number three, who tells of the return of the White Walkers. Ned, The winter is coming. Dismisses this as a myth, and as a result, red shirt number three's screen time quickly comes to an end. <coughs> Bobby Baratheon, the king who came to the throne after a civil war which ended in the death of Mad Ares II arrives in Winterfell to ask his best friend Ned and winter is coming. to take over as Hand of the King. The previous Hand of the King, John Arryn, had died. <coughs> Ned doesn't want to take over the role, but he really has no choice. Meanwhile, the actual killer of Ares II, Jamie Lannister, is caught furkitoodling with his sister Cersei in a tower. Shame. They're discovered by Ned's son, Bran. This leads to an unfortunate tumble from the top of the tower, assisted by Jamie. Bran breaks his back. Ned and Winter is coming. And his family, apart from John, you know nothing. Join the king and journey to a very nice place called King's Landing. Jon Snow feels rather unwanted and decides to run off and join the Night's Watch. And there we meet Tyrion. I am the god of the dwarf brother of Jamie and Cersei. He decides he needs a trip away and visits the wall, bumps into Jon Snow, you know nothing, and is accused of trying to kill Bran. He chooses trial by combat and selects Bronn when this world starts getting me down. as his champion. Meanwhile, across the sea, the daughter of the Mad King Aerys, Daenerys, is having a bath. She's then married off to Aquaman, a.k.a. Khal Drogo, by her brother and Julian Assange impersonator Viserys. Sir Jorah looks on in sadness. Danny marries Aquaman, gets pregnant, munches on her heart and is given three kinder eggs as a wedding gift. Julian Assange then is killed by Aquaman for mainly being a bit of a sod. Ah! Aquaman suffers a minor scratch, which then gets infected and he dies. Ah! Danny throws herself on his funeral pyre only to emerge unscathed in the Nuddy Wuddy <whistles> with three baby dragons. Back in King's Landing, Bobby Baratheon has a wild tussle with a boar and promptly dies, <coughs> leaving his throne to his eldest son, Joffrey. <laughs> Ned, the winter is coming. after poking around, 
finds out that Joffrey isn't Bob his son after all, but actually a result of Jamie and Cersei's incestuous union. Ned Winter is coming. Tries to install Bobby's brother Stannis. The Iron Throne is mine by right. On the throne, he's then accused of treason and executed <laughs> by Joffrey. <laughs> who takes his eldest daughter Sansa as his bride. As per tradition, Sean Bean must die in everything due to the fact that his name does not rhyme. The remaining Starks are scattered across the Seven Kingdoms, and so ends season one. Season 2. The Seven Kingdoms are now at war. Eldest Stark's son Rob <laughs> has taken up the mantle of King in the North Winter is coming to wage battle against Joffrey <laughs> for killing Daddy. Rob sends Theon to his father in the Iron Islands to win support. Joffrey's having trouble at home with his uncles, brothers Stannis The Iron Throne is mine by right and Renly. Renly has a large army under the forces of House Tyrell while Stannis has a red priestess, Sorceress Melisandre <laughs> advising him, as well as Sir Davos. Stannis, the Iron Throne is mine, by right, not being big on family, arranges the death of his brother, Renly, <coughs> via the method of a spooky ghost, <coughs> given birth to by Melisandre. Far to the east, Danny, <coughs> with her three baby dragons and her small gang of followers, go for a long walk to Frank Herbert's Dune, aka the city of Carth. Sir Jorah goes with her and looks on in sadness yet again. <coughs> After almost being robbed by a right-said Fred impersonator, Danny decides enough is enough, escapes Carth and torches the place. <coughs> Jon Snow, you know nothing. Meanwhile, goes beyond the wall, pretending to betray the Night's Watch, and gets his end away with the wildling Egret, who once again informs him how little he knows. You know nothing. Back at King's Landing, Tyrion, I am the god of. <laughs> Wine. is temporarily made Hand of the King on behalf of Dad Tywin, who's too busy fighting the other various kings. Stannis the Iron Throne is mine by right. gets a loan from the bank and forms an invasion force attacking King's Landing. Tyrion defends the city by using green fire Pure green. and gets a rather nasty cut on his noggin. The protector of Joffrey, Sandor Clegane, Yarr. sods off as he's not really a fan of the hot stuff. <laughs> Joffrey... <laughs> begins courting Marjorie Tyrell, <whistles> despite some rather obvious age differences. In order to join House Lannister and Tyrell together, Sansa pouts and is kept for ransom. Jamie is captured by Rob, Winter is coming, but released by Rob's mum Caitlin in exchange for her daughters. She doesn't realise that Arya has already escaped King's Landing. Jamie is relinquished into the custody of powerful lady Brienne of Tarth. I am no man. Who makes sure he does good on his promise. Rob Winter is coming. Gets the support of Walder Frey, who looks suspiciously like Argus Filch by agreeing to marry one of his daughters. Rob's former bestie Theon returns to Winterfell, only to burn it to the ground, and pretends to kill the two Starklings, Bran and Rickon. Ah! Bran, Rickon and Hodel Hold on. escape north to try and find Jon Snow. You know nothing. Jon's best friend and tubby person Sam is confronted by the ice zombies known as White Walkers but fails to release the crows to warn the watchers on the wall. Season 3. Jon Snow, who still knows nothing, is brought in front of the king beyond the wall, Mance Raider, and pledges allegiance to the wild men and is sent back to climb the wall to attack the Night's Watch. The survivors of the White Walker attack on the Night's Watch retreat south for safer lands but their leader is killed as some of them mutiny. Ah! Danny <laughs> plus dragons and Sir Jorah land in the slave city of Astapor after surviving an assassination attempt. They are rescued by Obi-Wan, also known as Sir Barristan Selmy. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. 
formerly of the Kingsguard. Danny gets down to some horse trading with a dragon in exchange for an army of unsullied eunuch warriors. She then decides to keep all three dragons and the army, burns the city to the ground, and goes for another wonder. Arya and friends are kidnapped by Dennis Pennis and the Brotherhood Without Banners. They also capture Sandor Clegane. After much fighting, Arya and Sandor go off on jolly adventures together so Sandor can make some quick money by selling Arya back to her brother. Winter is coming. After the blowing up of Stannis' men, green. the Lannisters feel secure in King's Landing and Tywin takes back the power of Hand of the King, much to Tyrion. I am the god of wine. Chagrin. He is moved to the role of Master of Coin, which leads him to discover that Kingdom is skint. The Starks upset Walder Frey. Rob Winter is coming. Had promised to marry one of his daughters, but instead he married a bit of posh from the south. Walder Frey withdraws his forces and Rob starts to lose the support of his army. After losing a couple of battles, he goes back to Walder, cap in hand, and promises not to marry anyone else. Walder then agrees for one of his daughters to marry Rob's cousin instead. Sansa, after being dumped by Joffrey, <laughs> is then handed off to the fabulous Loras Tyrell, former lover of Renly, and then on to Tyrion. I am the god of... Wine. He's not a fan either, and he promises not to sleep with her. Joffrey <laughs> becomes the king of comedy at the wedding by removing a stool that Tyrion was stood on at the altar. What a joker. Jamie en route back to King's Landing with Brienne, I am no man, bumps into some troops from House Bolton who lop off his hand. <laughs> Jon Snow, who still knows nothing, is now over the wall with the wildlings. He escapes them to run back to the Night's Watch. Bran, Rickon and Hodor, Hodor. hiding in a windmill, don't realise their brother is nearby. At the Frey wedding, Rob Winter is coming. gets the shock of his life. The Boltons and Freys betray them, killing him, <coughs> his new wife, <coughs> his unborn child, <coughs> his mother <coughs> and his army. Sam and new friend Gilly head back towards the wall and bump into Bran and Hodor, Hodor. heading north. Jon Snow, knowing nothing, has a lover's tiff with Egret and is shot through the back. In the city of Yonkai, Danny frees all of the slaves with her new boy toy Dario and she is named mother of all freed slaves. I'm Philip Ellis from Tall Tales, which airs on Brum Radio Tuesdays at 10.30. Thanks very much, Phil. Seasons 4 and 5 will be coming up soon on the show and you can always hear more of Phil on our Tall Tales show every Tuesday at 10.30 and repeated on Sundays. And now it's time for Quiz of Thrones. We have two special contestants in today. We have Phil Hello. and we have Sam. Hello. And they'll be having a Game of Thrones geek off quiz. See who's the most knowledgeable about Game of Thrones. And we've got a little special prize for the winner. Uh, so, how are you both feeling? Nervous. Confident? Yeah, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, who do you think's got the best Game of Thrones knowledge out of the two of you? I would say Sam. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I defer to his knowledge. I, but... I think Phil's better than me at the sort of knowing all the theories and that sort of thing. I like reading Reddit and weird things mm. like conspiracy <laughs> stuff about. So it's keeping out the conspiracy theories versus what's actually happened there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. Are you both ready? Yes. Here we go. Question number one. Which indie band made a cameo appearance at the Purple Wedding? Shame. It's Sigur Ross. Yes, it is. Congratulations there, Phil. All right. Question two. What group of the wildlings are cannibals? Total, uh, the Fens. Yes, correct. So one each so far. Question three. What is the title of the first episode of season three? Can I have to rush you both? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we move on to question number four. 
Theon Greyjoy spent how many years living as a ward of the Starks at Winterfell? Shame, 10? Oh, incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, Open it up to uh, 16. No, incorrect as well. It was actually 9. Oh. So, question number 5. When did Game of Thrones start its first season run? Who does? 2011. Correct. Question number 6. Who gives Arya Stark bread baked in the shape of a wolf? Hot pie. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Question number seven. Who plays the role of sellsword Bronn in Game of Thrones? You may have seen him from where he used to be in a double act with a certain person and they sung Unchained Melody. Shame. Is it Robson Green? Oh, incorrect, I'm afraid. <laughs> I open it up to that. Jerome Flynn. Correct. <laughs> it was the other one. <laughs> I couldn't think of a double act and that reminded me. <laughs> So next question, who in season one says the line, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die? Cersei. Correct. Next question, which character is the subject of a failed assassination attempt at Winterfell in the opening episode? Hodor. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Next question, how many battles has Robb Stark won against the Lannisters when he sends peace envoys to King's Landing? Hodor Green. Correct. Right, next question. Stannis is defeated at Blackwater and becomes withdrawn, allowing only whom to see him? Shame. Is it Melisandre? Correct. Nearly to the end now, guys. Uh, how many Game of Thrones actors have appeared in Harry Potter movies? Shame. Eight. Incorrect, I'm afraid. <laughs> Open it up. Seven. No, incorrect. <laughs> it was nine. Oh. It was both very close. <laughs> Right, here we go. Next question. Who is the first character killed in Game of Thrones? They were beyond the wall. Oh. It's the very opening scene. Oh, wow. Um, it's named... Uh, I'm going to have to rush you. Oh. Not coming. No. No. It was Waymar Roy. Next question. What is the name of the ship that takes Arya Stark to Bravos? Something to do with a woman. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to rush you. No. <laughs> it was Titan's daughter. Right. So, last question. Who does Littlefinger lose a bet to in season one? Shame. Is it varies? No, incorrect, I'm afraid. <laughs> incorrect. It was Renly. Oh. <laughs> right, so over to Guy with the winner. It's pretty much a landslide, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's Sam. He won yeah. outright. Yeah. Congratulations. And thank you very much for joining our quiz. You're listening to our Geek of Thrones Spectacular quiz. Hope you're enjoying so far. We're about halfway through now. Uh, we've got some, still got some great stuff coming up, including the winner of our competition to win a voice to run Funko Pop. Now we're just about to return you to the world of Restros with Philip Ellis, who will be introducing seasons four and five. Season four. As a reward for their betrayal, Tymon has granted the Baltans rule of the north, and the phrase, with nominal rule of Riverrun, that the castle remains under the control of Brynden Tully. Left remaining to oppose the Lannisters are the Greyjoys and the Baratheons. Ramsay Snow, <laughs> illegitimate child of Roose Bolton, an all-round unpleasant individual, has captured Theon Greyjoy and tortured him by removing his gentleman's sausage. Stannis... By right and birth and blood, I do this day lay claim to the Iron Throne of Westeros. Baratheon, still refusing to surrender, despite having only the remembrance of an army, follows the advice of Melisandre and focuses his attention on the threat of the wildlings marching against the wall. House Martell of Dawn, after some wheeler dealing by Tywin to keep them out of the war, has been given a seat on the small council. A large Dornish delegation arrives in King's Landing. Instead of Prince Doran, his brash younger brother Prince Oberyn 
comes to claim the council seat. Oberyn loves the ladies, Oberyn loves the boys, but most of all, Oberyn loved his dear sister Alia, who was killed <coughs> by the hound's Yarr. brother, the Mountain, the most feared warrior in the kingdom. Former master of coin and new lord of Harrenhal, Peter Baelish, really want to see those fingers? Really want to see those fingers? Is instructed by Tywin to woo the Lady Regent of the Vale, Lysa Arryn, the late Caitlin Stark's mad sister. With the Lancers believing they have won, a royal wedding is to be held between King Joffrey. <laughs> and Marjorie Terrell. daughter of Lord Mace Tyrell, which will confirm the future of the realm. Unfortunately, as weddings in Westeros never go smoothly, Joffrey <laughs> doesn't last long as he is poisoned and snuffs it. <laughs> Tyrion I am the god of <laughs> and wine is arrested for killing his nephew and is put on trial. Queen Daenerys is still cutting a swathe through Slaver's Bay, albeit not one of conquest but of liberation. Once downtrodden herself, Daenerys is determined to free the slaves of the region. She now faces the last and greatest of the Slaver cities, Marine, but unlike her previous victories, they have had time to prepare for her arrival. At Tyrion's I am the god of and wine. Trial, his lover Shay lies to the court, telling everyone that Tyrion and Sansa were plotting Joffrey's death for months. Tyrion responds in a rage and demands a trial by combat. Cersei Shame believing Tyrion to be responsible for Joffrey's death, chooses Sir Gregor the Mountain Clegane as her champion. Oberyn Martell, in an effort to get revenge on Gregor, chooses to be Tyrion's champion. It ends badly for Oberyn. Over in Essos, Danny's dragons are getting increasingly restless as they grow larger. She also finds out that Sir Friendzone Mormont to be a Baratheon spy, and she exiles him as punishment. Back in Westeros, Peter Baelish really want to see those fingers. Really want to see those fingers. And Sansa arrive at the Eyrie. Baelish marries Lady Lysa Arryn. who reveals that Baelish was also responsible for the death of her husband, former Hand of the King John Arryn. Peter then shoves her down the moon door, where she plummets to her death, <laughs> and reverts his attention back to Sansa. Ramsay Snow. <laughs> has been tormenting poor Theon, now known only as Reek, and uses him to infiltrate the Ironborn lands to negotiate a surrender. When the Ironborn open the gates, however, Ramsay's troops pour in and murder everyone. <coughs> Lord Roos Bolton then acknowledges Ramsay as a true member of the family, and Roos, Ramsay and Reek head for Winterfell. Far to the north, the White Walkers have emerged in force. The Wildlings have rallied behind King Beyond the Wall, Mance Raider, whose army now numbers in the tens of thousands and is determined to force its way through the wall to reach safety. Jon Snow, knowing nothing, you know nothing, does what he can to prepare Castle Black for the massive attack. Advanced raiding parties of wildlings have infiltrated below the wall, preparing to attack the poorly defended southern side of Castle Black. These warbands are led by Tormund and the fearsome steer, Magnar of Then, who are cannibals. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boy! As well as Jon Snow's ex-girlfriend, Egret. You know nothing. They attack Castle Black, and Egret is killed. <coughs> Jon Snow then goes north beyond the wall to find the wildling leader and assassinate him, but before he is able to do so, Stannis They will bend the knee or I will destroy them. Baratheon arrives with a massive force and overruns the wildling army. Even further north, Bran, Hodor, Hodor. and friends find what they are looking for, the Heart Tree. They are then attacked by undead walkers and their companion Jojen dies. <coughs> But Bran, Hodor, Hodor, and Mira are saved by a child of the forest. After the battle, Bran meets a spooky old man inside the tree, who 
tells him that while he may never walk again, he will fly. Returning to King's Landing, Tyrion... I am the god of d- and wine. ...awaits his execution when he is surprisingly released by Brother Jamie. Tyrion sneaks into his father Tywin's bedchambers where he finds lover Shay, who attacks him with a knife. Tyrion chokes her to death. <laughs> sleeping with his father. He then finds Tywin enjoying a private moment on the lavatory and kills him too. But we almost forgot about Arya. She's been hanging out with the Hound who intends to ransom her to Lady Arryn. They run into Brienne of Tarth I am no man. who's been trying to find Arya to make good on the oath she made to Arya's mother, Caitlin, back in season two. The Hound duels with Brienne and he's badly wounded. Arya leaves him for dead, takes his money and uses it to buy passage to Braavos. Season 5. The continent of Westeros has gone through more kings than a playing card factory, and now Cersei's youngest son, Tommen, is on the throne and is engaged to marry Lady Marjorie Tyrell. East of Westeros, after murdering his own father, Tyrion has fled across the narrow sea to the free cities with Varys, former member of the small council. She is losing her grip on Tommen as he falls in love with Marjorie. Without her father to guide her, she revives the Faith Militant, a once dormant religious order which arrests people for committing sinful acts. Arya makes it to Bravos in the Hall of Face Dancers, a group of face-swapping assassins. In the deserts of the deep south of Westeros, the people of Dawn demand vengeance for the death of Prince Oberyn, who died in a trial by combat at the hands of Sir Gregor Clegane. Leading the call to enter the war against the Lannisters are Oberyn's lover, Alaria Sand and three of his eight daughters, who threatened to kill Marcella, Jamie and Cersei's daughter, Jamie Lannister. Heads to dawn with Bronn to, to rescue her. Stannis, the Iron Throne is mine by right. Needs to win the allegiance of Robb Stark's defeated Bannermen to rally the North again as a springboard against Lannister rule. To win the support of Jon Snow, he offers to make him Jon Stark. But now winter is truly coming. King of the North. Jon is caught between Stannis and his vows, since the Night's Watch is sworn to strict political neutrality. Instead, he becomes Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Baelish. Really want to see those fingers? Really want to see those fingers? Now de facto ruler of the Vale, sends Sansa off to marry Ramsay Bolton. <laughs> but tells her Stannis was on the way to kill the Boltons, so she'll be fine. She then bumps into Brienne I am no man on the way, who pledges allegiance to Sansa. Brienne gives her a candle to light in Winterfell Tower so she can bust in and rescue her if things get ugly after hearing about the wedding. Tyrion is I am the god of and wine drinking, and whilst he has a comfort break he's kidnapped by Ser Jorah to take to Daenerys and win some brownie points. Danny, meanwhile, is making nice with the former slavers of Marine and offers to marry Leighton from Trollied. I'm quite nervous. And reopen the fighting pits. Tyrion. I am the god of and wine. And Sir Friendzone. are on a ship and they get attacked by stone men after being distracted by one of Danny's dragons who's on the loose. Jorah gets infected but keeps it secret. They're then captured by slavers who take them to fight in the fighting pits. Bump into Danny. <whistles> Tyrion becomes her political advisor and Sir Jorah is banished again. In King's Landing, the Faith Militant get a little overzealous, shutting down Peter Baelish's Really want to see those fingers? Really want to see those fingers? Brothels, arresting Marjorie's brother Loras for his homosexual liaisons, arresting Marjorie for lying about said homosexuality, and even arresting Cersei Shame. for her own re- incestuous relationships. Sansa and Ramsay are married. 
and then he forces Rick to watch as <laughs> he does the nasty with Sansa. Sansa gives Reek the candle to light, but he dobs her in instead. Arya, meanwhile, is slowly working her way up through the ranks to become an assassin, and gets to see the Hall of Faces. For her first mission, she dresses up to sell ISIS clams and cockles to get intel and a target. She gets distracted when she sees Mace Tyrell, Marjorie's dad, now Master of Coin, who's come to talk to the Iron Bank. He's accompanied by the Kingsguard who's killed her sword tutor way back in season one. She then offs him in a brothel. <laughs> Jon Snow still knows nothing. You know nothing. He's now Lord Commander and brokers a deal with the Wildlings for them to reinforce the wall. Most of the Night's Watch are not big fans of his as they've been fighting the Wildlings for centuries. Jon goes north of the wall to speak to the other Wildling leaders and they're attacked by zombies. He fights a White Walker and manages to kill him with his specially made sword, Longclaw. Jon Snow and some of the Wildlings escape, while Stannis Let all true men declare their loyalty. This is ready for the attack on Winterfell. His supplies are burnt by Ramsay. <laughs> So he sends Davos back to Castle Black for more. Stannis is forced by Melisandre to sacrifice his daughter to melt the snow. Back over the sea, Danny's watching the gladiators when Ser Jorah chucks a spear at her. Or does he? No, an assassin was creeping up behind. They're attacked. Leighton from Trolley dis Don't forget the Valkyrie. Promptly killed. Pretty quickly, Obi-Wan, Sir Barris and Salmi Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time Dies in a sewer ah! And Danny escapes on Drogon Stannis I held Storm's End with 500 men His men start to desert him and his wife hangs herself ah! He marches on Winterfell and Brienne I am no man Seeing him coming, decides to go and kill him for killing Remley Remember him? Sansa unfortunately chooses this time to light the candle Stannis' troops are slaughtered ah! And Brienne I am no man. goes in to kill Stannis, but it's not clear whether she does the deed. Ah! Sansa and Reek escape by jumping off the wall and kill Ramsay's crazy girlfriend in the process. Ah! Arya Isis, clams and cockles! Yeah, is punished for killing the wrong person by being struck blind by one of the faceless assassins. Cersei Shame. confesses to adulterous liaisons with her cousin Lancel, but denies sleeping with her brother Jamie. Or that she was responsible for the death of the late King Bob She's granted freedom until her trial, but only on the condition that she walk naked through the streets of King's Landing. Shame. 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 She also learns that the reanimated corpse of Gregor the Mountain Clegane is now a new member of the Kingsguard. Back in Summer Bay, sorry, Dawn, Jamie is captured. He meets with Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine and he lets them go on the condition that his son, Tristan, replace Oberyn on the small council. They head back to King's Landing, but Marcella dies during the voyage. <coughs> A result of the poison planted on her by a kiss from Alaria Sand. In Marine, Jorah and Dario decide to go on a road trip to find Danny, and Tyrion's left in charge of the city. Varys reappears to give him a hand. Danny is then kidnapped by the Dothraki as Drogon goes full Charizard. I bet you don't even have enough badges to get into the Pokemon League yet! At Castle Black, Sam gets his end away with Gilly and is sent away to become trained as a healer, leaving Jon without many friends. Davos arrives to get supplies, but then Melisandre turns up and goes, my bad, on the fact that Stannis might not be the true king, and telling them he's dead. The rest of the Night's Watch, sick of Jon, brand him a traitor, and stabby stab stab, we are left thinking he's dead. Or is he? <coughs> and now you're all caught up on Game of Thrones. I'm Philip Ellis from Tall Tales, which airs on Brum Radio, Tuesdays at 10.30. So now we're fully up to date, thanks to Phil. We're going to have a quick panel chat to see what our predictions are for Season 6, and we're also going to speak to a few members of the public. 
You're listening to the Geeky Brum Show here on Brum Radio. And now we're going to have a little season six preview of Game of Thrones and our thoughts of what's going to happen. So we've got myself, we have Phil Ellis from All Tales Show. Producer Guy will be popping in as well. And we have our two quiz entrants, Phil and Sam and myself, to chat about it. So what are our thoughts on season six coming up? Um, what I would really like to see is uh, for the newly blind Arya to uh, pull a bit of a daredevil and become... A, uh, a sightless assassin. Do we know if she's going to stay blind or is it going to be a temporary thing? I, I really don't know. I saw a press shot where she had like funny looking contact lenses. So I think mm-hmm. it's not going to. I think it's not the kind of show where they, they throw that stuff in willy nilly and there aren't consequences. I think uh, yeah. she's probably going to be wandering around Bravos with dark glasses and a stick for a good few <laughs> weeks. But I um, I just don't like the idea of her being helpless because she's one of my favourite characters. Still so. selling clams, cockles, and oysters. <laughs> Absolutely. I oysters, clams, and cockles. <laughs> I'd imagine it's some kind of like teaching aid, like the, mm. you know, to use your other senses kind of thing, like daredevil-esque. Kind uh, of absolutely, thing. yeah. 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 I, I think in the trailers as well, there's been lots of shots of her with the contacts in, uh, so it's clearly going to last a while, but... I think there's been at least one shot where she doesn't have it in, so maybe it's not oh, whole you're thing. more eagle-eyed than, uh, than <laughs> myself. And, and then Arya. Well, 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 it could always be the fact that the face dancers are all blind and it's just the faces they steal which have eyesight. Perhaps. Talking of trailers, anybody yeah. noticed this maybe potential meeting up of uh, Sansa and Davos? They appear to be in the same room at the same time with the same chandelier. I believe she had um, stark clothes on there. There was a direwolf on um, yeah. one of one of the tires. So they're obviously gathering in the north somewhere. I just, I really, really, really want something good to happen to Sansa for the first time in six <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm worried about her. Well, she, I mean, all through season five, she was sort of gaining agency in a way, and yeah. she, she sort of lost that toward, towards the end of the season. So it'd be mm-hmm. nice to uh, get her, you know, scheming and. Uh, Back, back, back up. I, I really enjoyed that moment. I think it was the end of season four where uh, she took the side of uh, Littlefinger and, and she, you know, she went full goth, and you were like, "Oh, yes, 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 someone's yes, goth, somebody's yes. just leveled up." And then she, she kind of, yeah, yeah. She, um, she, she lost that sort of, like you, like you say, you know, she, she lost that uh, that kind of game playing side of it towards yeah. the end when she just became completely subjugated again. But now she's, you know, free and yes. uh, out with the ensemble. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Yeah, and I suppose it all depends on what Theon slash Reek is going to do now. Well, yes. I can say it's going to be interesting to see how he plays into that, because yeah. he, he helped her escape in a way, so he could very much be on her side, but at the same time, mm-hmm. he's got every reason to hate him. Yes, so it should be quite interesting. I mean, I want to know what happened to Brienne, because we saw her potentially killing off Stannis. Uh, it cuts away, and then that's it for the season. What happens to her? Is she still on the battlefield? Is she headed towards the wall? Is she going back to Winterfell? Keeping his head around like a football. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the trailer, it kind of looks like she's back in the Riverlands. Yeah. Like, with, with, like, ponds there as well. So, yeah. And, you know, so there might be potential fray things mm-hmm. happening, that they might be going after them. I'm not entirely well, sure, but... I'm quite excited about that. There, there was definitely a bit in the trailer where um, it was Walder Frey and a room full of Freys and Lannisters. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'd very much like to see them get their comeuppance. Well, if anybody needs a hot poker at the bottom, it's got to be all the We'll find a different colour for a wedding as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. green's still yeah. available yeah. at the minute. <laughs> right, so what are we thinking is going to happen north of the wall? Because the White Walkers are marching. The, um, Jon Snow is apparently dead. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. The Night Watch is very underpowered, and the Wildlings are threatening to go away. It's going to be a bit of a tight one. 
I, I think we all probably agree that that um, Kit Harrington's going to be around for a little while. Yes, I, yes. I, I, he, yeah, he's I'm not sorry. cut his hair. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know how and how the why's and the wherefores of how he's going to come back. But I, I mean, he there's there are still so many unanswered questions around that character. Is he going to be Lord Stoneheart instead of using Lady Stoneheart? Ooh, well, I, I, I yeah, yeah. yeah, quite possibly. Well, I mean, it's, it's just I think it's quite much of a quinky dink that the the lady from the religious order that is able to resurrect the dead happened to arrive at the castle just before he was killed. Yeah, it's yeah. to that coincidence as well. They've announced that the first episode of season six is going to be titled "The Red Woman." Mm-hmm. Wow, well, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. she's going to be doing something interesting then. Yeah, saying that, you've also got Ian McShane appearing in season six, and he said he's going to be a red priest as well. So it could be the fact that he restores Jon Snow. I read somewhere that uh, he could be connected to the Hound, who Ooh. we never actually saw die yeah. back in the was it end no, of season, yeah. Four? Yeah. season four? He was left yeah. for dead, but we never saw him again. So. Clay game bowl, Clay get high. <laughs> Speaking of the mountain, and yes, the hound, uh, he is a, a Franken mountain now. I yes. suppose zombie right? mountain. Um, yeah. And and uh, yes, he's he's the new bodyguard of. He's the new king's guard for Tommen. Uh, right, yes, 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 and and by extension, Cersei, who yes. I believe will be plotting something rather rotten for for all the people well, who uh, shamed her. Yes, I think <laughs> if any character suffered the most from Tywin dying, it's got to be Cersei. She's mm. trying to play Tywin's game very badly. She hasn't got the skills or the political intrigue to get away with that. I think she's she's never ever had the uh, the the sort of the the nous that that some of the other players had um, yeah. and, and that's kind of been part of the charm of that character is that she's trying to play this yes. incredibly dangerous game and she's always kind of had like you say you know her, her daddy to kind of fall back on yeah. and, and and yeah so last year um, it just clearly showed that she's way in over her head and yes. uh, every scheme that she hatched kind of Collapse. blew back in her face well, horrendously well bringing in the high swear on the faith militant of mm. that's backfired spectacularly against her and High Sparrow is going to be a big player I think this season seeing what's going to happen I, I, I found him very very interesting because he was just always very very nice yes he played he was incredibly genial as the religious leader but you know that obviously they're fanatics and, and that there's going to be a very dark side to him so I, I'm mm-hmm. interested to see more and him. Jonathan Price is playing that brilliantly I think yes absolutely yeah, yeah, no, yeah. fantastic yeah. I ask you guys what you think maybe might happen with Marjorie Terrell because there didn't seem to be much in the trailers about her but I don't know, this it's seems potentially might got, be an interesting she's still in the yeah. Her and her brother are both in prison, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, her for lying under oath and him for... Well, for many transgressions, <laughs> which we won't go into. <laughs> um, but but uh, the, the king is still in love with her and he's yes. trying to get her out. So He might send Sir Pouts on a rescue mission, we never know. He's very much a wet blanket of a character, though. Yes. Well, um, How much of that is the character or, the, or just the child actor? I just don't <laughs> know. I think the whole thing of Tom was he was never expected to be king, he was never trained to be king, it was always going to be Joffrey, he and probably, now he's kind of stepped up to the role he's like uh, he's the only Lannister who yes. is actually genuinely quite nice and with Marcella, Marcella being dead he is the last mm. of his line so he's going to have to start pumping some kids out soon 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Every 14-year-old boy is really going to be an age-appropriate relationship in Game of Thrones. That's what I'd like to know. I don't think George W. Martin does age-appropriate in any no, kind no, of situation. I mean, they, they, they had to make uh, Danny quite a lot older in the, yeah. show than the books. Um, what do we think is going to happen with Daenerys and Tyrion and the people over the other side of the narrow sea? I'm really looking forward to seeing Tyrion in charge of Meereen. I, I think he's going to do that perfectly. Um, he's sort of he doesn't really care about what people think of him, which is where yeah. Daenerys was going wrong quite heavily, I think. And, um, and Daenerys has lost her Charizard now in Drogon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it looks like she goes to the is it the Dosh? Dothraki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, goes yeah. back goes back there. But I reckon there'll be sort of, sort of like Deus Ex Drogon kind of yes. thing, like coming back <laughs> in the. Rescuing uh, yeah, rescuing us, sort of thing. Um, so we got Sir Jorah and Jorah, Dario yeah. on the rescue mission, so we'll see what happens with that. Thank you very much, guys, for involving in the panel there. Uh, we're actually going to go out to the public of the great city of Birmingham now and see what their thoughts are going to be on what season six is going to happen. So uh, have a listen. Okay, so what do you think is going on with Jon Snow? Do you think he's alive or do you think he's dead? I think he's dead, but I think something weird will happen. I think he'll come come back as a White Walker or something weird. And do you think that if he doesn't come back, he's vital to the show? Do you think the show can live without him? No, I don't think he can. <laughs> and uh, what are your predictions for season six? What do you think might happen? Oh, something's going to happen with Daenerys because something bad's going to happen, I think, with her. And who's your favourite character and any favourite moments? Tyri- uh, my favourite's Tyrion, just because he could just get away with anything. <laughs> so, what do you think's going on with Jon Snow? Do you think he's dead, or do you think he's coming back? Um, I think he's dead, but I think that he is going to be coming back, because I think he's got a big part to play in the story to come, um, possibly because he could be um, related to Daenerys through her older brother um, which I think will be revealed in the next season also Melisandre is at the wall and she could possibly bring him back to life because she's got links to Beric Dondarrion who was brought back to life several times in season 3 and do you have any predictions for the new season? Um, I think that it'll probably focus heavily on the White Walkers I think it's coming to a close probably in the next two seasons so I think they really need to push the storyline of winter is actually coming and who's your favourite character and your favourite moment from the show um, I think actually Lord Baelish is my favourite character because um, he kind of sits on the sidelines and knows everything that's going on but doesn't get involved do you find Lord Baelish to be a fanciful character Thanks. So what do you guys think has happened to Jon Snow? Is he dead or is he alive? Is he coming back? What do you think? I think he's going to come back. I think he's still alive because the show... I think, I think he's dead. He's definitely dead. Nah. Coming back, I'm not watching if he doesn't come back. <laughs> he's dead, but I think the uh, Lady of Alexander is going to, uh, going to resurrect him. Yeah, that's how I think he's going to come back, definitely. So. Do you think he may be a White Walker, perhaps? No. 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 I think she's going to bring him back just as him. Do you think he's vital to the show? Like, or do you think the show can carry on without his character? No. Definitely I think needs to be in it. It's one of them, though, isn't it? It's, 
the amount of characters that have been killed off that are vital, like Ned Stark straight away, that was a main huge character, and he was just instantly wiped out at the end of series one, so. But the car might be some go the same as and have you guys got any predictions for the new season? Anything that you maybe want to see happen or think might happen? I think that Jon Snow, is his mum is the, um, Daenerys' mum, and I think that's where Fire and Ice is going to meet and their half-brothers. That's going to happen in this series? I think that's what's going to happen overall for this series. The big thing I'm looking forward to is Cersei. Uh, Killing <gasps> spree now yeah. with the mountain coming back as yeah. a as whatever he is, resurrected from the dead. I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a big thing in Series 6. Yeah. And in terms of favourite characters and favourite moments, have you guys got any? Um, Jon Snow and Cersei. I like the Hound. I know he's dead. Well, is he dead? He was left there. But whether he comes back or not. Him and uh, the storyline where him and uh, Arya Stark, that was, uh, I enjoyed that. It's a good double act, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thanks to our members of the public there. Thanks again to Tammy B for our amazing theme tune today. You can find more about her on Twitter at TGuitarTuition. And thank you to all of you for listening to this Game of Thrones special show. We'll be having a two-hour spectacular next week with the Retrospectacon Birmingham Comics Festival. Please listen in, and if you're attending today, please come and say hi to us. And we're now actually going to finish again on Tammy's wonderful Game of Thrones theme. Hold on. 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 Hold on.
it's time for our bonus feature with TV correspondent Paul Hadsley. Hi, Paul. Hi, I'm here to talk about the non-Game of Thrones cult TV this week. Hello. I'm just going to do what I normally do and nominate a series of the week. This week is S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of Marvel S.H.I.E.L.D. But just quickly put play lip service to the others. Powerful episode from Gotham with Bruce Wayne finally catching up with his parents, should I say? And deciding whether he wanted to enact revenge. There's a bit of few hurdles for them to get through when poor Alfred got beaten up. Yeah, so that was a good episode. It looks like Bruce is finally on the path. He's going to stay with Selina on the street, so he's learning about his city. And what's happening with the villain? Ah, well, the penguin's being completely decommodulated. Wasn't much in the way of freeze, there's a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, the penguin is not the penguin, so how long until he breaks his programming and starts squawking? (laughs) I don't know. Can I sew his fingers together? I actually wonder if he'll break his fingers or something. Gotham, good episode. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Flash. Time travel seems to be to the fore this week. Time travel's everywhere. Obviously, it's a big staple of Legends of Tomorrow, but also the Flash went back in time. It was nice to see some of the characters back from the first season with evil Harrison Wells. Reverse Flash. A lot camper than I remember, uh, boyfriend of Iris. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that was about but uh, I don't remember being that camp but I've to see him again and uh, it's always good to see Eddie Thorne floating around good episode but yeah, time travel it's a bit opposite what we're going to talk about in S.H.I.E.L.D. in that you change the past people remember things it doesn't really change much in the future to go back to the past and run really fast back to the past with Samurai Joe <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was odd that he had to knock himself out and almost be the villain for a bit team up with the actual villain of last year it's like yeah. yeah just the morals of trying to stop Zoom we haven't really progressed the Zoom plot too much well we know who Zoom is and that was the big reveal so we'll find out what have that in the future so wait for his daughter to come back as a different superhero we'll see S.H.I.E.L.D. yes again this is about more about destiny and almost like a Groundhog Day episode every sci-fi show has to deal with this trope at some point it was a bit like a few various episodes of Star Trek it reminded me of but basically Daisy was given a vision the future and she's trying her hardest to prevent it and then they decided to change what they thought let's all stay at home and not go on the mission yeah. to make sure this future terrible shocking thing she saw in the vision of people being hurt and killed and mm-hmm. Coulson shooting her Flash it was I'm going to go back in time and change things in S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, I must do everything not to make this vision happen it happened anyway it was like whatever you did you are destined to happen for this yeah. to happen so everyone finally know learning about Grant Ward and his powers and his gruesome powers which uh, I think E4 are, are editing for us I wish they'd show a late night version with everything left it is 9 o'clock when it's shown but apparently you can't show skulls being ripped apart or whatever yeah, it is. yeah and uh, I don't know the comic book name but the leader of Hydra has become some sort of mechanical strong man and I don't know if that's a character he's building up to becoming a character in the comic books you'll see some further development on that and that's all I'm going to say better not be the new Deathlock well, I'm still waiting for Mike Peterson to get from wherever he's disappeared my mum watches him he's, he's playing some soaps they pay for. yeah it was a good episode uh, Daisy was left almost unconscious uh, Coulson didn't shoot her in the end he shot a mirror a two way mirror and uh, yeah they found out about Grant Ward and poor man that could see the future it was a sad story the man that could see the future was ups- it was a shame as soon as he got his powers he lost his ability to t- hold his baby and be with his wife and he had to be homeless and he couldn't no it was a very sad story and he, in the end he died to save Daisy so I mean I've, one of the things I've noticed so far they've had Mark to cast turn up as an inhuman working for Hydra they don't seem to be doing very much with him no but he's just a bodyguard isn't he and he's clearly switched sides from the head of Hydra to Grant Ward because he's the god of the future or whatever they, he's supposed to be I'm waiting for him to bring in some surprise ingredients because he was the Iron Chef <laughs> talking of spin-offs Agent Coulson himself is now a judge or at least for one episode on a celebrity judge on BattleBots up to these mechanics obviously so maybe that's why he'll be using he'll be looking, maybe scouting out for future robotic developments for his hand and had a chainsaw something to his hand <laughs> or a big hammer and 
Clark Gregg is actually also going to be on Lip Sync Battle with Britney, so I, that's I, definitely I, worth. I'm feeling that's aired because I've seen a lot of stuff about that as well. But yeah, he's, no, he gets about a bit. He's uh, turning a very small part in one Marvel movie into a career, and well done him. So yeah, Shield was my series of the week, and let's hope it continues on this vein for the rest of season three. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.